Well, let's study Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 27. Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 27. Verse 1 says, And he began to speak unto them by parables. Now, this is the, we are into Holy Week right now. His ministry is over, pretty much his first three years of public ministry. So what does that statement mean? And he began to speak unto them by parables. I believe it means he's speaking now to his enemies by parables. Prior to that, he was speaking to the people by parables. And as you'll see, this parable is directed against his enemies who are going to kill him in just a couple days uh, from now. And it's the parable of the vineyard. And Israel is a picture of the vineyard that it's, you all know what vineyards are. I just came back today from Pennsylvania this morning and you drive up I-90 and that's all you see is vineyards. And the Bible says here, God planted a vineyard and that vineyard was called Israel. And so the vineyard becomes a type of the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. Um... And so he is that certain man in verse number one. But anyways, there's not a lot of parables in Mark, as we've said all along here this year. There's not much teaching in Mark. It's mostly an action book showing Christ as a servant. Of the 37 parables Christ spoke, uh, only eight appear in Mark. But this is one of them. And it starts by saying in verse one, a certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it. And digged a place for the wine fat, that's the press, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen or farmers, and went into a far country. And so this is, again, the, the, the Lord planting Israel. Uh, Israel many times is pictured as a vineyard. Uh, let me read for you Isaiah 5 and verse 7. It says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. So that is just one of many verses where a vineyard is a picture or a type of the house of Israel and of Judah. And uh, so he, he, he gives them everything and then turns it over to them. Uh, it sounds like uh, uh, the wonderful God he is, and that's what he did for Israel. He, he gave them everything, and then he turned it over them and said, Now take care of it. This is your heritage. I'm giving you this land. I'm giving you my word, uh, the law. Uh, you are the caretakers of it for the whole world. I haven't given it to anyone else but to, to Israel. Uh, take care of it. And uh, be fruitful, be, a, be a, a spiritual nation, affect the world. That's what he wanted Israel to do in the Old Testament, and that's why he planted it. That was his intention. Verse 2, and at the season he sent to the husbandmen, the farmers, a servant, that he might receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. All right, so he, he sends one of his servants and says, okay, go and get my bushels and bushels and bushels of grapes that I planted, uh, that I watered, that I took care of. And so he, he sends his servants. But they, the farmers, the husbandmen, or Israel, caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. So he comes back with nothing. And again he sent unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head. 
and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and uh, killing some. Now this is completely irrational uh, for a farmer or, or, or a, a, a landowner to be treated like this. And uh, this is what the Lord is trying to show them. But that's been the history of the Jews in the Old Testament. They misused what God gave them. They claimed it for themselves and they wouldn't give him anything back from his investment. Having yet therefore one son, verse 6, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. And you'd think they would. I mean, when they saw all the miracles that Jesus did, all the prophecies that he spoke, all the people that he helped. The word well-beloved is a, a word that's used very rarely in the Bible. But it reminds me of the time when, when uh, God spoke on the Mount of Transfiguration and said, this is my well-beloved Son in whom I am well-pleased. Um, and he called Jesus his well-beloved. Now, Jesus is speaking this here just a couple of days before his crucifixion, and he knows when his crucifixion. The crucifixion of Christ did not take him by surprise. It was what he came to do. And he knew, like according to Daniel, the exact date that he would die on the cross that Passover. But, verse 7, those husbandmen, that is Israel, the Jews, said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. This is the heir of God. Let's just kill him, and then, then we can take this over. And how irrational it is for mortal men to think that they're ever going to possess anything forever because we all die and we all leave everything behind. So even religion, there's people who think, well, I, I, I own this church uh, and we're going to run this church my way and everything, and they think it's theirs. I've seen people bottle up churches their whole lifetime. And the only time the church is ever free is when the person finally dies. It's a shame. I think I could take you to some churches like that. Where men and women, I've seen some women do it too. They say, this is my church. We're going to do things my way and they don't, they're not willing to get out of the way and let someone else try. Evil people rarely ever build anything. They just take over what somebody else has built, just like all of our institutions and churches in America. Uh, anywhere you look, most of the uh, colleges were started as Christian colleges, and now they're, they just hate Christ, and they make that very clear from day one uh, when you attend there. And churches, your Protestant churches used to be all godly, God-fearing, Bible-believing, preaching churches, and they've all been taken over. And uh, so these people do not, evil people do not, start anything. They don't build anything. They wait till it's built and then they take it over. That, now before we look down on Israel here, it says, and they took him, verse number 8, and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen 
and give the vineyard unto others. So what he's saying here by parable is, look, he's going to destroy them, the Jews, and he's going to take the vineyard and give it over to the Gentiles. And uh, God says, let's see how well the Gentiles take care of the spiritual things on this earth, uh, the Lord's work on this earth. And uh, Jesus spoke about this prophetically, for instance, in Luke 21. It's a great prophetic passage, the whole chapter. But in verse number 27, I'm sorry, 24, he says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, folks, that's an amazing prophecy. I wish we could just teach on that tonight. This is the dispersion. Jesus, as well as many, I think six other Old Testament prophets, talked about the dispersion of Israel to all nations. That is exactly what happened. Even to this day, last I checked, which was just a few months ago, there are still Jews in over 100 different nations around the earth to this day. Now, they're being regathered. That's another prophecy in the future. But Jesus was talking here about prophecy. And he said, they shall fall by the edge of the sword. That's the Jews. And shall be led away captive into all nations. Prior to that, they had only been led away captive into Assyria and Babylon, two nations. But Jesus said they'd be led captive into all nations. And that's what happened after 70 A.D. uh, with the destruction of Jerusalem, the, the slaughtering of over one million Jews in that year in Jerusalem, and uh, the burning down of the temple and the raising of all the, the, the city of Jerusalem, and then the Jews just went and for the last 2,000 years have been in all nations. And so Jesus is bringing that up here in Mark, and he says, what's, what's the uh, Lord of the vineyard going to do? He's going to come and destroy the husbandmen. And then we'll give the vineyard unto others. And then he backs it up with scripture. And I've asked you to turn here to uh, Psalm uh, 118 and verse 22. And that's what he quotes in verse 10. And have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. And that is quoted here in Psalm 118 and uh, verse number 22. Um, as uh, the Lord, here it is. This is the um, verse 22 and 23. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. It's just an amazing thing God did that he would send his son to die on the cross. Or they would take him, the Jews would take him and kill him. He'd die on the cross but that he would end up becoming the chief cornerstone uh, of the faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Who would, who would have ever thought of coming up with a plan like that to bring it about? And so back to Mark chapter 12 and verses 10 and 11, you can write that in your notes. That's a quote of Psalm 118 and verse 22. So, When you look at Psalm 118, we don't know who the human author is of that psalm, but we know the divine uh, author was the Holy Ghost. 
You've got to keep in mind every word of the Bible is written by the Holy Ghost, even though he used human writers. And God knows everything. And so here a thousand years before Christ, he said, you know, Jesus is going to be the stone that the builders, the Jews, rejected. But I'm going to take that rejected stone and make it the chief cornerstone of the faith. And that's what, that's what God did. And, and his ways are just mysterious and amazing. And uh, so this would be turned over to the Gentiles. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, verse 12, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. They knew, because I, I, I think they were familiar with Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. In fact, they probably had sung it many times because that was their psalm book. And so when he quoted it, he said, now this is what you're going to do. You're going to take God's only son and you are going to kill him and you think you're going to inherit God's religion. Uh, you think, but, but, but man is, you know, temporary. Man is short. And uh, his life is span is short. So these people who, even people rising today in government and power, think they're going to last forever. They never do. They come and go. So don't fret too much about them. They come and go. And, uh, but before we look down on Israel here, let us look at what America is doing to our nation. God built this nation, and now America is saying, we're taken away from God. Get out, God. We don't need you. Yet God was the one who built it. And the history of Israel does not end very well here. It will in the future. But I don't, I don't know what's ahead for America. But uh, it seems like a lot of Americans and a lot in government, too, act like God never did a thing for this country. Uh, they really do. They just act like he never did a thing. And the whole thing was built to be the greatest nation in all of human history, with the most blessings of God on it in all of human history. And there's people now that just act like, well, God never did a thing for us. This is ours. We're going to take it away. And we're seeing that, sadly. And boy, it's, it's, it's just, it seems like it's coming to an apex. Just uh, what we're seeing, it's unbelievable. Uh, even the events this week with a former president's private residence being raided by the FBI uh, with a warrant from a judge, uh, never unprecedented, because there's been a lot of presidents who've done wrong things, been corrupt and everything, but once they're out, they just they, 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 was, that's just the unwritten rule in our country. Once a president's done, you just leave him alone or leave uh, and, and, and just go on. Respect the office. Respect the office. Because, boy, if we don't have the office of a presidency, man, we're not going to have a nation. If we don't have borders and if we don't have law and order, man, we need to be concerned. And we need to be praying for our nation and not giving it lip service. Because if you or I think it's just going to always be this way and we're always going to enjoy this freedom and Man, what did they just, the other day they just passed in the night a bill hiring 87,000 more IRS agents to investigate the social media and the giving of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of agents. Why? No explanation. Why did you do this? 
And uh, the uh, just, just the it, it's frightful, um, and it should be driving each of us to our knees, saying, "God, help our country. Have mercy on us. Forgive us. Help us." Could be God's finished with us too. That's another way to look at it. He may have had he may just have had it up to here with this nation and just said, "Fine, you want to do without me? Go ahead and let's see how well you do." But uh, our country's trying to be remade right in front of our eyes. So let's not be too hard on Israel because God gave them 1,500 years of putting His treasures in their hands and saying, take care of this now. The whole world's depending on it. And then when He sent His own Son, He said, well, let's kill Him and let's just take it for ourselves. And We're doing the same thing. So that's the first of three stories tonight. Verses 1 through 13 is the parable of the vineyard. Now verses 13 through 17, we see the question of paying tribute or taxes. And uh, what is the standard whereby we as believers live regarding taxes? Verses 13 and 14, it says, And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they said unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, in the sense that he had no preference. Thou, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. It is, lawful. is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And we've probably heard this question before. Uh, Spurgeon does make a couple comments on the back on these two verses only tonight. He said they meant catch him in his words. That's the way it is written, but his words. If they could, so they baited their trap with flattery. Anytime a person begins to flatter us, we should be on our guard. If someone tries to commence a conversation by uttering words of excessive admiration... Depend on it that that person admires something we have more than he admires us. And therefore, we should be on the watch against him. It's too bad we have to live like that. But uh, it is true. And that's what they're doing is they're flattering him. They say, verse 14, Master, we know that thou art true. Well, why didn't they follow him then? Well, they got the next part right, and carest for no man in the sense of thou regardest not the person of men. The Lord didn't care if it was one of his apostles. If it was one of his apostles and they were wrong, he rebuked them. Uh, he didn't take favorites. And um, that's how God is. He has no partiality whatsoever. And then they go on to say, we know thou art true, but... Uh, teach us the way of God in truth. So this is real flattery because if he's true and he teaches the way of God in truth, why didn't they follow him? Why didn't they follow him? So here's their question. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And uh, Jesus being a Jew, all them being Jews, they would have loved for him to say, no, don't give your taxes to the Roman Empire. They're evil. They're wicked. They do horrible things. They commit atrocities with your tax money. So you shouldn't pay your taxes. You should revolt against it. 
they were probably looking for him to answer the question like that. And I think that's how some people today are when it comes to paying taxes to New York State. Uh, we have the most barbaric means of, of killing babies in the womb. And uh, New York State's number one in that. Uh, and atrocities in our nation, just horrible things. Uh, but not as bad as the Roman Empire. And so the Lord said, uh, Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, You can't fool Christ, in other words, said unto them, Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. Now that's a day's wages. And they brought it. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. What an answer. And they marveled at him. They should. They should, because they thought they had him on this thing about taxes, but he had what, quite an answer. He says, whatever Caesar belongs to Caesar, you, you pay Caesar. But whatever belongs to God, you give to God. And uh, some of the things that belong to God, by the way, are our children and our churches. Uh, you do not give your children to Caesar. And you do not give your churches to Caesar either. Uh, these belong to God. The church was purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It belongs to God. At great price. Uh, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on Wednesday night, but the church is very important. It's a very important institution of the three. The family, the church, and the government. Those are the only three institutions God made. And the church is the only one he purchased with his blood. And it is the only one that will continue in all of eternity. Your family stops at death. Till death do us part, that dissolves the marriage bonds. And governments will all bow to Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And someday he's going to let us rule and reign with him. Then we will be the government under Christ. But the church is eternal. Uh, it's comprised of born-again, blood-washed, blood-bought, believing Sinners who've received Christ as Savior. And we do not give to Caesar the church. We do not give him our children. Study children, and you will see that they are a gift from God. That God gives them to us. God fashions them in the womb. And we are just to simply take and give them back to him. So I would encourage you, I don't know who might be listening, but if you have children and you can possibly get them out of the government schools. There are no public schools anymore. They're government schools. Um, get them out and uh, give them a private education or a Christian education or a homeschool education or something, but give them to God. And the last question tonight is about the Sadducees who uh, question the resurrection. The resurrection. 
Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote us, If a man's brother die and leave the wife, his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now this is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 5 in the law that Moses wrote. Deuteronomy 25 and verse 5. So they come up with a hypothetical. Now there were seven brethren. The first took a wife and dying left no seed. And the second took her and died, neither left he any seed, and the third likewise. And the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the women died also. I'm sure you ladies are glad you don't live in Israel <laughs> under that law. <laughs> wow. But the, 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 uh, the, the propagation of the nation of Israel is so important to God, he made that a law, and that's how it was. That's quite a law. So these uh, Sadducees are reading this, and they come up with this hypothetical. This lady has uh, seven men have her, and none have a child with her. And uh, so here's where they're gotcha moment. Here's where we got Christ. We really got him confused. We really got him rattled here in verse 23. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. In other words, when you put together all the families again after the resurrection, which he's not going to, who's going to be the wife? After? I mean, seven men had her. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead... And so he just states the resurrection as a matter of fact to these who back in verse 18 say there is no resurrection. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush, of, bush God said unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They're still alive. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You therefore do greatly err. Now there's two reasons why these Sadducees did err. Number one is they did not know the Scriptures. Verse 24. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err because ye know not the Scriptures? That is probably the number one reason why people live in error. And it's definitely probably the number one reason why people go to hell. Now they don't know what the Scriptures say because getting saved is about the easiest thing you'll ever do in your life is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It only takes a moment. And um, so they don't know the Scriptures, neither do they know uh, the power of God. Number one, we need to know the Scriptures. Every one of you should be a Bible student, without exception, man or woman, young or old. We should be Bible students who know the Scriptures, who, and we should learn to know them so well we can't be fooled like this whole group was fooled. Hosea 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Boy, how sad is that? 
we, uh, we need a knowledge of the Bible, and there's, there's great distractions today keeping people away from the Bible, and uh, especially like cell phones and Internet sites and, you know, 2,000 cable stations, whatever we need that for, and um, just music and more music and 70,000 people at a rock concert tonight in Orchard Park and uh, sports. I mean, it's just endless, the distractions. You have to be really disciplined to be a Bible student these days. You really do. I mean, you have just got to become addicted to the Bible. Uh, Get yourself a place that's set aside to study it. Keep your Bible open. Keep your notebook there or whatever you use, whatever your method. Your pen's ready so you can just sit down and you don't have to say, where's my Bible? Ah, what's the sense? Just, Just have it right there. So you can study the Word of God. And don't just read it. Study it. Meditate on what you're reading. Let God speak to you. We've got to know the Scriptures. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They're what guide us. We've got to know what the Bible says for ourselves personally. Then we also need to know the power of God. They underestimated the power of God by saying there's no resurrection because they probably could not explain it scientifically what do you mean when you're dead you're dead come on we've seen bodies they die they're decomposed but they forget about the fact that inside of the body there is a spirit and there is a soul that are eternal and so they 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 could not explain like so many today want well if you can't explain it scientifically i'm not going to believe it um And those people do themselves an injustice who do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. That's what Jesus said in verse 24. You don't know the Bible and you don't know the power of God. Later on, Paul, when he was preaching, uh, one time said, as he was uh, uh, preaching to King Agrippa, he said, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Why would any human being think that's an incredible thing, that God should should, uh, uh, raise the dead? And so we need to preach the resurrection. We need to preach the resurrection. All through the book of Acts, you study it, they preach the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. They didn't debate with the evolutionists and the humanists and the agnostics and the atheists and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Herodians. They just kept preaching the resurrection. Just kept preaching the resurrection. People have got to deny the historicity of that because it's history. And are you saying, you can say, are you denying history? Christ rose from the dead. And many, many were eyewitnesses and wrote about it. It's not a thing incredible uh, that God should raise the dead. And so the, the Sadducees just like many scientists, and I I put that in quotes because we love science. Every true believer in God loves science, true science. We love it. We love it. It all brings glory to God. We're all amazed at it. Uh, When we study it, I don't care if you're studying a bumblebee, you're just like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, And we love true science. But there are a lot of pseudoscientists, and Paul warned Timothy about them, 
oppositions of science falsely so-called pseudo-scientists. In John 5 and verse 28, not only uh, is it, we shouldn't think it a thing incredible that God should raise Jesus from the dead, but this verse says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. So it's not incredible that God raised Jesus from the dead. Someday he's going to raise everybody that's ever lived, saved or lost. The saved as those that have done good. And the only good thing you can do is accept Christ as your Savior, by the way. So don't get confused on that verse. And those that have done evil rejected Christ. It says they shall rise again to the resurrection of the damnation. This is the power of God. It's nothing for God. Uh, Jesus said uh, that uh, it's nothing that all things should be subject unto him. So I hope you're alive in God today and uh, that you're saved. Because he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You therefore do greatly err. And uh, so that's the question, or that's the answer he gave to the Sadducees, and there's a lot of those in existence today on earth who don't believe in resurrection. There's another passage that says they don't believe in angels, they don't believe in a spirit. Well, the Lord told them the truth anyways, and I want to encourage you to be a student of the Bible, and while studying the Bible, especially focus on the power of God that's revealed in this book by the miracles He did, the creation that He made, the lives that He's transformed and fixed, and just be in awe of the power of God. And um, you won't err. You won't err. I can't explain the rapture, but I believe it's going to happen someday. How is everybody just going to, you know, from all around the earth? They're going to, some are going to have to go out and around, I guess. And, uh, but the Lord talked about that. In Luke, uh, I think it was 17, he said, In that day, in that day, later on in that night, is he confused? No, it's going to be day for some people, night for others, when the rapture takes place. That's quite a scientific statement. Brother Michael will be talking about science this Sunday. That's quite a scientific. He also said that same day, there's going to be people out in the field working, other people in bed sleeping. Why? The earth is round. That's why. The earth is round. So, All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word tonight, and we just pray your blessing on the study. We do thank you for the parable of the vineyard and how it just lays out history in front of us that Israel tried to steal what was yours, killed your prophets, beat some, stoned others, killed your own only well-beloved son. And so you said, okay, I'm going to take away the vineyard from you and give it to others. And now, Lord, it is the stewardship of the Gentiles to care for the things of God. Help us today in this church to be faithful with your word, to be faithful with the faith, to earnestly contend for it, not to compromise. Lord, we, we, we just thank you for that. We do 
help us to see our obligation to pay taxes to a government, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with all that they do or not. Uh, Lord, we, we do have to pay taxes to be a good testimony. But Lord, we don't have to give our children or our churches to the government. They belong to you. They belong to you. God, they're sacred trusts in our hands. And we must make sure they only belong to the Lord. And then, Father, tonight we do thank you for the power of God. That there will be a resurrection someday of all that are in the graves, good or bad, saved or lost. And uh, by your power, that's abs- there's n- it's no problem for you to pull off something like that. That's how powerful you are. Help us to be in awe of you tonight and worship you, for thou art worthy. Now help us the rest of this week. Give us grace for whatever we're doing in our neighborhoods, at work, ministry. Father, fill us with your spirit. Help our nation. What a horrible week in our history. Lord, have mercy on us. God, save our country and, and uh, uh, help us through this time. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, prayer list, you got those? Take them home. Pray fervently for these. Let's see what God will do. We got flyers about the Israel trip if you want. Also, we have cards for vacation Bible school if you want to drive around, stop at a house or two, and just see what happens. See what happens. Just say, hey, I'm from one of the local churches. We're having Bible school this week. I saw that you had kids. Maybe you'd like to send them. That's all you got to do, and then go away. I'll be trying to do that myself this Saturday and send out a lot of invitations so far. Been trying to invite people. Hope you are too. Let's pray for that endeavor. You're dismissed.